Good evening and uh, welcome to the Gallant Few um, English Premier League Roundup podcast. Um, Mum and Dad are away this week. Um, there must be an away game in Rangers um, in Europe going on this week, John. Um, so it's just down to myself, um, Jamie Royals. I'll be hosting this evening and we've got ever presence, my um, good buddy, uh, Johnny. Johnny, welcome to the podcast this week. How are you doing? I'm good, Jamie. Thank you. Uh, that's two, three weeks on the bounce. I've been left with one other person. I'm starting to think it's me, mate. I'm getting a complex. <laughs> I don't know why to go with Johnny this week. Fuck that. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, I think last week uh, I got succumbed to the old Christmas shopping, um, and I think this week it's just more the guys. Um, I've obviously got all things Rangers going on, shall we say? Is it a game? Um, Tomorrow, I think, and I think I think they're all getting pissed. You know, like they get drunk about twenty-four hours before the game even starts. Um, but yeah, I thought we'd do a quick English Premier League roundup um, based on the last week's results. Um, I did have a listen to the podcast that you and Mason put out last week, and obviously we covered some some of the tasty fixtures, and that moved into the weekend that we've just had now. Um, and I think probably there's no place, there's nowhere better to start, Johnny, than probably the one of the highlight fixtures of the round, which was Aston Villa against Arsenal. Um, going into the game, Aston Villa had won 14 of their home fixtures in a row. Um, and the team that succumbed to number 14 was actually Manchester City. So to, to, to play Arsenal, shall we say, the game after that was always a big ask. Um, but somehow they managed to, to record the 15th one in a row, get another three points on the board um, and humble a lot of people's predictions, shall we say. Uh, I know you would have watched the game, and I know you've got a few interests in the game. What was your thoughts on the game itself, mate? Yeah, like you said, I don't think many people have seen it coming. Although, to be fair, we probably should have. Um, I think we kind of... Villa definitely go under the radar a bit. Um, they have done, you know, Newcastle have took a lot of the plaudits um, for the way they've been, minus the last couple of games. Spurs too, and Villa have kind of just kept going. Uh, I mean, it was a great result for them. Um, I'm a big fan, as you know, of John McGinn. I thought he was fantastic. He ran ran the middle of the park. And uh, the lad, Bailey, continues the form. I think that's maybe three, four games now where he's been outstanding. Um, but, I mean, it was a good game, mate. I thought it was quite balanced. Both teams had a lot of chances. I mean, it could have easily swung. Obviously, Arteta had a bit, another bit of a, a moan at the end of the game about the... Um, the contentious habit. Yeah, it was, it was a right call. It was a right call. The, the, the handball, the hands directly at his side. Um, excuse me. And the build-up, uh, or was that the goal before? Am I getting that mixed up? So um, the, the one that was called off was that the ball ricocheted off cash on the line, but looked <laughs> an element of an arm, but then Havertz handled the ball and then toe-poked it in. Mm-hmm. And then... And, and, and the ruling is, is that you can't score from an accidental handball. Um, so because Havertz is the person that put it in, the goal was quite rightly based on the mm-hmm. rules ruled yeah. out. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying I'm the rule. I'm not, I know there's a lot of talk about the rule and a lot of people upset by it because I think if you break it down to layman's terms, one person can handball it, but another person can't. And what I mean by that is the defender can, but the, and, and I, I understand it and I get it, I don't think you can make a rule that fits every single scenario. Um, I, I think the ref got I'd say the ref got it right. So. No, I would agree. Um, when I looked at it, I thought it was 
I mean, listen, the handball rule in general is a mess. I think mm. we've all pretty much it's changed year on year, isn't it? Yeah, it's changing constantly to a point where even some of the officials are making mistakes and the players can't keep up with it. They'll tell you that themselves. Uh, half the time, they're just hoping that the subjective view of it goes towards them. But like you say, by the letter of the law, it was the right call. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good, it's a good result, and it's a good three points for Villa. Uh, I think, well, that's some fun now, and they're only what two points, two points mm-hmm. off top, which is outstanding considering they're balancing a lot of football. So, I mean, fair play to them. Um, and I want you, you've obviously mentioned John McGinn, and I, I didn't know much about John McGinn until I kind of started talking with you and, and you know, kind of looking out for him, and that was when he was in the championship and making his way up. And I always go back to that goal he scored in the championship, the champions, um, the championship playoff final, absolute pillar. Um, and I think he's just grown year on year in the Premier League. He had a bit of a shaky one last year because I think there was a bit of a change where he got the on, but the the armband didn't he? And I don't think he he really settled with it. But there's just something about what Unai Emery's getting out of him. I think McGinn's going under the radar as being one of the most pivotal um, midfielders in the league at the moment. I would agree. I think he's up there. Mate. He's such. He's so effective at what he does. I don't think there's many that can match it. I'm not saying he's the best, but for the way he plays and what he does, there's not many that can do it as well as he does. And I, I mean, I called this years ago when mm-hmm. he was up and playing up in Scotland at Hibs, and he was just outstanding. And you know, you know yourself when you've got a player that's just way above what you have as a standout week in, week out, and should be playing at a higher level. Um, and that was spotted really, really early. I was surprised he stayed up here as long as he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, he, it's the way that he handles his cell. He's such a nightmare to play against uh, on and off the ball. He's constant. He's like a bull terrier. Um, and he's incredibly hard to get off the ball when he's moving with it. And he can buy a foul just as well as Grealish can. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd agree, mate. I think the sky's the limit. I think they would, if he moves, I think it would be a huge fee. And I think the most impressive thing for me when it came to Villa at the weekend, and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna mention Arsenal too much because I do think this should be about Villa, is that they've had a massive six points. They beat City last week. They beat Arsenal this week, but they were two very different games. Beating City, um, obviously I wasn't on last week's pod, but they absolutely battered City. They, they you know, they, they controlled the game from start to finish, and I think City had two shots on target, but it was the same attack. That was it. The Arsenal game was very different. Arsenal probably controlled about 70% of the possession, probably had the better chances. But at the same time, apart from the contentious incidents, didn't really put the goalkeeper under pressure. And I think Arsenal managed the game a lot better. That's that's a lot of, that's a lot of you know, um, that's a lot of different qualities that they're showing at this pivotal time of the, you know, the calendar and the run up to Christmas. Um it's looking good for them. It really is. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm massively surprised at them. And uh, you know, Colin's not here, but I'll throw a stat in because I know he loves it. Aston Villa's points tally at the moment is exactly the same as what Leicester City's was the season that they won the Premier League at this moment in time. So it can be done. It's well, not uh, inevitable. Well, the Brummies are believing. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, just obviously have these other. It's a, long, it's a long season, and yes. we know they're, they're playing a lot in midweek football, European football. Um, it's a lot to deal with, but what I will say for them is, we spoke about in the pod before, they signed really well. 
yeah. and they have decent depth. Newcastle would come in the last couple of games, didn't he? Yeah, but the teams around them kind of in that bracket. We've noticed it with Newcastle when they've been hammered with injuries. They're struggling because they don't have the depth. Don't I think they'll like so. do. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, well, they're playing, the same players are playing every single game, and we've seen it at the weekend, you know, they looked exhausted. Whereas we're not seeing that with Villa, there's a spring in the step. Um, but like I say, it's, it is a long season, but you can only give plaudits, mate, they've been excellent. And that home uh, home record is just ridiculous. Yeah, and, and I've seen a graphic, and, and I'm obviously going to pip this back into a Liverpool, to, you know, Aston Villa getting all these plaudits, they, they've hit 15 home wins in a row. The record's 24 and it's only been won by Liverpool and they did that two seasons ago when um, when you know when they won the league. Um, it's, that puts into context actually how good of a run that was back then. But I think Villa, Villa runs something special this year. I do think the UEFA Cup, the Europa League though, is going to be something that they'll be more focused on or probably more well equipped. Um, but I think, you know, Watching Villa over the next few weeks is going to be a big, um, a big, it's going to be a big winter for them. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. The um, next two home games is Burnley yep. and Sheffield United as well. So they're going to keep it going. They'll, they'll, they'll probably yeah. finish. They'll probably nil nil the next game. Then after yeah. we've just picked them up. <laughs> yeah. And and in terms of Arsenal, any concerns on Arsenal's performance? It was a very different performance. You know, as I said, they they controlled the game but didn't really do much with it. In my opinion. No, I think that's fair, mate. It was like. We've seen it a lot last season, right? Arsenal were phenomenal last season, with the exception of the back end. Mm-hmm. But there were certain games where they would struggle. I remember, I remember they played Southampton, and I think yeah. they brought it back to three three. Yeah. Uh, and then, and that game, they, they were like that. Like the, the no, was it? I think it was. Then. Was it? Was it not like uh, Bournemouth? I think it was. Wasn't it? I think the Southampton one was Tottenham. Um, I think I there was, it was Arsenal went through a period where they had two two against Liverpool, they had two two against West Ham, and then I think there was a three three. I think it was against Bournemouth, all in the right. space of about two weeks. Yeah, but I mean it's the same thing. They'll play, um, and they look good on the ball. They've done the same at the weekend. They will create chances, but nothing clear cut. It's all half chances, and again, in really good positions. It was the same at the weekend. Like I thought, Martin Elliott was the key at the weekend. He was getting so much space, and everything they'd done in the first half. They were much better early, in the first they? half. It all came through Martinelli. He was causing a lot of problems. Um, but they, they always go with what Arsenal, especially when they're struggling. They never go direct. You get the odd game where they do go direct, and most of the time they're successful with it. So I don't know why they don't do it more often, because they have top quality in the middle of the park. Uh, but, I mean, I thought, mate, listen, mate, I thought they were okay. I thought it was just it was an incredibly close game. Villa done well, and Villa are right on top of them in the league, so there's nothing between them. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like it was a gimme, is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and I've mentioned them already, but I think, you know, um, the next team we should obviously visit is the Liverpool game um, against Crystal Palace, um, mainly because that's now Liverpool um, sitting top of the league for the first time this season. Um, a very different performance compared to what we're talking about in the last game, um, and probably a very different performance from, you know, from a Liverpool perspective as well. Um, it was the early kickoff on the Saturday. So uh, obviously, you know, the joke is Klopp's favourite time of the, the day for a game. That hoodoo of that we can't get these kind of games over the line. Um, but it was a very, we're going to call it a dead rubber game um, until Palace took the lead. Um, and then Liverpool, I think from the 76th minute, had to make some changes and the game flipped on its head. Um, there was obviously a few contentious decisions within the game um, I'll let you kind of bring them up to, but what was your thoughts on the overall game and the performance by Liverpool Johnny? 
if I'm honest, um, I think I was chatting you during the game. The first half, I'd say the first sixty, they were rotten. Yeah. Um, it was. I mean, it wasn't just them. It was just a bad game. It was a poor game. Luton were dogged. Um, hard Palace. to break down. Sorry, pass. Were hard to break down. Really hard to break down. Um, I thought they'd done okay, and they always looked dangerous on the counter. Mm-hmm. Uh, for at least you know the first, I'd say maybe three quarters of that game, maybe just shy of it. That um, there was always that threat that Palace, when they went forward, they were going to grab something. And nuke, I mean, uh, Liverpool never created anything. I didn't think they had a shot on target till really late in the game. Uh, it was the subs that changed yep. the game. Yeah. Um, but up until that point, I mean, Palace, you could argue they were worth the lead just because they were the ones that looked like they might score. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, Sorry, on you go. I was going to say, so, so there was obviously a few contentious decisions, so just running through them quickly. So there was the disallowed goal for Palace in the first half. Um, the the play was pulled back for a foul on Wataru Endo um, after Will Hughes um, was judged to be run through the player and, and not take the ball. For me, that was the right decision, and I know a lot of people were saying it pretend, probably wasn't. I don't think that was subjective. I think that was pretty clear. He doesn't get the ball. He gets the man first. What was your thoughts on that instant? No, I'd agree. Um, to be honest with you, uh, I, I say I watched that game, but mm-hmm. when the incident happened, I never actually seen the replay. I've seen it today. Uh, and he does. He comes clattering in at the back of them. He doesn't touch the ball. He doesn't get near it. So it is a foul. Yeah. It's a foul. It was a right call. Um, I don't think you could even class that as soft. I mean, it's a foul anywhere else on the pitch, so why not there? Yeah. Um, and then there was the actual penalty. Um, so the ref never gave it um, at the time. Um, the ball was attempted to be cleared. And I think the Jamar Kwanse uh, actually makes connection foot on foot with the, the attacker. I think it was Mateta. Um, but it took VAR a good two minutes to make the decision to ask the referee to stop the play because the ball hadn't actually hadn't actually gone out of play yet. Um, yeah, the game was still flowing. It was... Yeah. What was your thoughts on that? Because there's a, there's a few trails of thoughts of one, is it an obvious error by the referee? And two, should have taken that long? It is an obvious error by the referee. Um, it was a penalty. The question is, why did it take VAR so long? Because for me, it was simple. When I first time I seen it right away, I'm like, that's a penalty. Um, and I know they were saying they checked offside after, but once they announced that they were stopping the play after all that time, then they said they were, they, they were checking the offside before they actually gave it. So all that time, they were actually checking that foul, according mm-hmm. to what we were told by the live commentary. So I have no idea why that took so long to get to that point, because to me, I thought it was a stick-on. Yeah, um, I will say I, that was 100% a penalty, in my opinion. I can't cry about that. I think at the time it, the time they played, uh, being live, I didn't think it was an issue. But the moment I seen the first replay, and I'm like, oh, we could be in trouble here. Um, so yeah, it was it was the inevitable in my opinion. So I'm with you. I think Palace deserved to take the lead. Um, now the next contentious was um, Jordan Ayew's red card for a two a second excuse me a second bookable offence. Um, he received a yellow card in the second half for not retreating from a free kick, um, uh, prevented a quick free kick from being taken, um, and. The second was for a challenge on, I think it was Harvey Elliott or Curtis Jones, um, when we were pushing up the the field um, on a counter-attack and he made no touch on the ball but took the man. What was your thoughts on the the, the overall red card and was it worthy? I've heard a lot, the reason why I'm asking, there's been a lot of commentary from ex-professionals to say it was a soft 
double yellow card, if that makes sense. Like he did, they didn't think it was yellow cards for each of the individual um, interaction. I thought it was probably the cheapest red card I've seen this season. Um, I didn't think there were bookings. I thought if the bookings are incredibly harsh, especially mm-hmm. the first one, he he doesn't get the ball doesn't hit him, and mm-hmm. he does what every other player does on the pitch. They all do it. They don't punish it. They just pick and choose. I mean, I mean there's no consistency with that whatsoever. Um, so no, I thought. So see on that. Let me do, so let me just include something. So they didn't show this on match of the day. That was actually the second time the ref had warned him because he'd done the same thing about five minutes before. He prevented a quick free kick from being taken. So my in my interpretation, the refs had enough of him actually taking the mech with that, and he decided mm-hmm. to book him. I get on it on his own. It probably is a cheap one. It is a, a you know a soft one to get. But if he's in the ref's mind because he's not retreating quick enough, he's always going to get it, isn't he? Yeah, that makes it stupid if he's been won twice. It's a bit like McBurney last week. When you've been won for something, I mean, if you go and do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's 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 not very bright. Um, I still think it's a cheap red card. Uh, and at the end of the day, you could argue that it cost Palace at least a point. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Liverpool made subs and the flow of the game changed, but it was against 10 men as well, so we'll never really know. Um, I mean, it's not Liverpool's fault at the end of the day. It's just, it's just the way the game went. These things come back forward to each team. But I did. I, I just think it was really, really cheap. And if that's the case, it's also very, very stupid on this part because they were controlling that game at that point. Yeah. And you mentioned the subs. Um, they, they, they were pivotal, weren't they? And in, in the way that that game changed. Um, Joe Gomez and Harvey Elliott are there, and Curtis Jones, the three mains. Curtis Jones is the one that got, was basically the person that was challenged in the box, but Mo ran onto the deflection and put it into the into the back of the net. Um, and Joe Gomez was bombing on the right wing um, and played in Mo Salah, who set up Harvey Elliott for his um, edge of the box shot. Um, these are the kind of these are the kind of things that you would expect to see from a team challenging, wouldn't you? You know, not necessarily, you know, there's that old joke about making your own luck. But when you've got goals all over the park from especially your subs and your strikers, it's a good combination to have, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, mate, I think Liverpool are very, very similar in the way Villa are going through things. Um, they're under the radar. You know, we are talking about Arsenal's blip in form. We're talking about City looking a wee bit off it the last few weeks. Talking about Villa playing really well, Newcastle playing well, minus a few games. But Liverpool are really getting spoken about. But I, I mean, to be honest, I think that suits them. I, yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing because you just go about your business. Um, and the games like Saturday there, where you are up against it and you're not at your best, if you can still come out with three points, then those are all good signs towards mounting a challenge for the title. Again, it's a long way to go, but especially going forward they are they are dynamite and i mean i've never argued that Mark. You've, you know that i've always yeah. said that i've always felt the frailty was at the back but so far so good for them mate i think uh, again they're going to need to avoid injuries i think that's going to be key um because i mean the star players that they do have if they lose one or two they could be in trouble but if yeah. they can keep going and avoid that then why not 
I think the key for me is that they're ultimately going to get Andy Robertson back in a few weeks, which is going to be a welcome addition. Um, but they're going to potentially lose Mo Salah. Uh, well, not potentially, because the AFCON, um, the African Cup of Nations starts in January. And we're probably going to be losing him for about four or five weeks. They're expected mm. to get potentially the semis or the final, which means you could probably add another week onto that. Um, but there's a few other teams going to be in a similar situation. Um, I think we've got a few tricky games coming up um, over the Christmas period. Um, we've obviously got a challenging game on Sunday against Manchester United. Um, we play Arsenal, I think, a week later. We've got Newcastle and Burnley, I think it is, all, we, all in the Christmas period. So um, I think if, if if we're talking after then that we're still top of the league, then it's going to be a, a, really, good, a really good end to the season. Um, however, I do expect... I do expect a bit of a, a bit of a yo-yo from all the other teams around us as well. Um, I'll move it on quickly um, because obviously we can't just turn this into a Liverpool podcast. Um, but staying in the Liverpool area, um, and we're talking about a great, a, a good performance. Um, Everton um, turned over your beloved Chelsea, John. Um, it's it's fair to say that since they got the ten point deduction, ever since that Manchester United game, they've they've started. They've started blowing teams out of the water, haven't they? Should never give them the, the point reduction. <laughs> well, we'll see if yeah. they never gave them the points reduction. They would be tenth right now. Yeah, but they wouldn't have won the games because since that reduction, <laughs> they've went for shit to it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's shenanigans. Um, ah, listen, they've done well. They're, they're, they're a very strong side. The bully teams. Um, mm-hmm. They're not the easiest to play against. You know, if you... If you have a team, especially maybe a young team or a team who players can get under their skin easily, you're going to have a tough time against Everton. I think Dyche is good at that. He's good at unsettling teams um, and generally being horrible to play against. And I think that's what's happening. Uh, I mean, at the weekend there, I watched that game, unfortunately, and it was the same story. Chelsea started well, uh, really well. Came at the traps and looked really good, but the same thing. It's there's far too many games where they they're comfortable, they have all the ball, but a bit like Arsenal at the weekend, there is just no cutting edge. Um, that final touch, you know, that killer pass, it just isn't there. They're kind of relying on uh, your midfielders coming in with shots for outside the box, hoping that they're going to get something special, um, rather than just bread and butter trying to take teams down. Um, but I mean, Everton dealt with them. Dealt with them really well. Once they got out of that first stage where Chelsea were really good, Everton looked really, really dangerous. And they've got a few players who have definitely stepped up. I think like the boy McNeil, he's done really well. I was about to say, that one thing that's probably went under the radar about Everton is that they've actually got a good mix of age within the team. They've got a, a couple of youngsters that are playing consec- con- consistently within the team and like uh, James Garner, Brantwaite, um, you know, the boy Michalenko's still really young. Um, and then you've obviously got the old heads like your, your Dwight McNeils and uh, Idrissa guys. Um, Ashley Young even still getting the game. They just seem to be they seem to be in it together, don't they? They've all got each other's backs at the moment and I think that can be a dodgy Everton for most teams at the moment. Ashley Young's definitely not on the young team. No. He must, no, he, he must be on the, the fast track to 40. What is he, 38, 39? Yeah, it must be about 37, 38, isn't it? Um, yeah, but they do have, a, they do have young players. Um, like the boy Brantford, and I think he's only 21. Yeah. And Michalenko always looked like a bit of a bomb scare, but I think it was maybe just a bit too soon for him. 
whereas he, he's settled a wee bit more now, maybe got a wee bit more confidence and knowledge, um, and he's looked a lot better. Last, especially the last maybe three games, he's been really, really good. It's been very uh, positive getting shots away and stuff, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah, and they do have some decent. I mean, like the guy Onana. I mean, he was a mainstay for them. You know, he was yeah. playing every game, and he was on the bench at the weekend. Um, fair play. Can't really yeah. say much more than that, mate. Just the end of the day, Chelsea are screaming for somebody. A spark. Well, I was going to bring that answer. So, uh, obviously, not to go through the fact that Rhys James is now injured again for what looks like the next <gasps> three months. <laughs> but Edwin Moore, Pochettino's comments after the game, he, he, he made a comment about um, this is where we are. I'm looking forward to the January transfer window, which would incline that they're going to do some business. <laughs> That sounds absolutely ludicrous when they've spent what you know the best part of five hundred million at the beginning of the window, the beginning of the season. You're Surely right, they're not. You just got to come and get all your targets again. You're just mad. Uh, oh, it's listen. There's two sides to that coin. I agree with you with the money spending, right? I agree with you, that. But do, you, but do you expect them to go out and spend? I cannot money? argue that. The only thing I think he's maybe coming across with. Right. I don't know, mate. I don't know what they've got to do if they're going to spend or what. To me, I think they've got a very young team. They do need something, but I would be hoping that Nkuku gets fit, and mm-hmm. that's going to be the spark you need. Yeah. You can keep him fit. I think he's going to be a huge player. Um, I don't know if it's going to work at Chelsea. We've seen it before, the big signings, but all signs are that should work, and that's really what they need, a really good number 10. Sterling, etc. they're far too inconsistent. Um, Am I right in thinking he didn't start Sterling at the weekend? Uh, no, no, he didn't. He um, he had try to remember. Bro- Brozier was up front, wasn't he? Brozier was up front. Yeah, he Mid- dropped Jackson Mid- for Brozier, um, and I think it was Mudrick with the came in rather than Sterling. And Mudrick was same as usual, just looked scattergun, mm-hmm. just a boy with not a bit of confidence. But uh, the thing with the Poch is, I think he's came in, and I don't think any of the players are his signings. I really don't. I think that's your football do you, not, do, you not, do you not think he's had any input at all? On I don't think so. I think it was too late in the day when he came in, mate. Because all those signings take weeks, if not months, to get sorted and over the line. I think they would have all be in the just trying to justify him going out and spending more money? No, no, no. I, I don't think <laughs> he needs his own I, money to spend. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think they need to either. I think they have more than enough there. I agree with you, but I'm. Should what I'm, have, shouldn't they? I'm trying to look for his point of view that if he's came in mm-hmm. and they've said, right, that's the job. That's your wage, that's your tools, but it's our tools. You need to make them work. And now that he's maybe finding that difficult, he's maybe like, I need to have a say in what comes in, something along those lines. That would be my guess. I'm not saying he's right. I'm just mm-hmm. saying I think that's where he's coming from. And you've just got every media outlet though pointing the finger, going Chelsea, or Pochettino wants to spend more money, um, mm-hmm. and they're just running with that headline, which just sounds absolutely ludicrous. Um, but yeah, I, I think problem is is that Chelsea have got a few more losses left in them, and the, for the season, in my opinion, because of the way that they play. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think they're going to be hit and miss. I've said this on a few times that there'll be games that they, they turn up, they're excellent, and there'll be other ones where they just get blown out of the water because they're just not settled. I mean, the lad Jackson is—he's a bomb scare. He's a head case. He's an absolute mm-hmm. fucking head case. Did you watch him at the weekend after the game trying to start a fight again? <laughs> Um, he's bonkers, he does that every game so I mean, maybe a striker I wouldn't say not a, a half decent striker I'll be honest, but other than that I don't think they need anything 
Well, I, the, the, there is a there is an ex Chelsea striker that's potentially looking for, um, you know, shall we say a new challenge, um, and that brings us on to um, my next game. Um, Dominic Solanke um, absolutely ruined um, the theatre of dreams on on Saturday to what I would say is an absolute coupon buster. Um, Bournemouth ran out three 0 winners um, against Manchester United um, in a very rainy on a very rainy day that was just only amplified by the football that was portrayed at the game. But Dominic Solanke was outstanding. I think um, the other young lad that's up front, um, Tavernier, he's went under the radar. He's had he's, had, he's done pretty well this season. He's had a couple of goals and a good few assists. Bournemouth are starting to click, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've, we gave them a fair bit of plaudits in recent weeks, mm-hmm. to be fair. And to Gary O'Neill, I mean, especially Mason, because he canned him something awful when he came in. <laughs> but he's put his hands up as well and said he's done, he's done phenomenal. Um, no, yeah, nobody expected that, mate. I think uh, that's now what we is it four wins in one draw? Mm-hmm. I'd need to double check it because I think they got Kane for City and then they went on a really good run. Yeah, it's four wins in one draw. So I mean, that's excellent. Your teams like. Your Sheffield United, who they turned over, they beat Newcastle, didn't expect that. Uh, got a draw with Villa, again, excellent point. Turned over Crystal Palace and then done that to Man United. So there's two games there they would hope to get points for the rest of them when they really expect them to get anything. So they've been excellent. When you say the ex-Chelsea striker there, I thought Drogba was going to pull his boots <laughs> back on and save us. Well, Dominic Solanke was meant to be the next drug drug, but wasn't he? Yeah, I mean he's done well. I mean, he, he, let's be honest, he's he's never really done anything since leaving Chelsea. He's never got to any kind of level that would make you take notice. But in recent weeks, well, I think he's five, five and ten, something like that. Well, I would I would contest that because actually, if you go back, and I, I know it's a different era, but like he's he's been with Bournemouth now for one, two, three, four. This is his sixth season with Bournemouth. And two of those seasons, yeah, two of those seasons he spent in the championship. And in the first season of the championship, he scored 15. Then the second one, he scored 29 goals two years ago. Oh, no, no, but I'm not talking about the champions. No, no, but, no, but what I mean, no, but what I mean is, is like, he's, he's, he's one that's just, you know, even this season, he started to find his feet. People are saying, for example, I'll give you, so for example, people are saying Dolly Watkins is probably having the season of his life. Dominic Sanders no. has just as many goals as Dolly Watkins yeah, does this yeah, season. Yeah. I called this last, no, was it last week? I said the same thing, mate, that it's went right under the radar. Or somebody else as well that's done the same as on, because we're all saying Watkins has been outstanding. There's another two forwards. So Anki was one, I forget the other one, who nobody's talking about who are on the same goal. So no, are they good, mate? Listen, he's doing really well. Um, And it's, I mean, they're working in a hugely constrained budget against a lot of the teams are taking points off it. Um, I'd say, in recent weeks, they're playing way above what anybody would expect. So, I mean, you can only say fair play to that. And hopefully they can keep it going. I don't know what their, um, their coming fixtures are like. They've got, they've got Luton, Forest, mm-hmm. Fulham, and Spurs all before, all the side of Christmas, all the side of the new year. You would expect oh, them right? to, on, on the current run, you would expect them to take probably at least six points from that. Which, again, the, I think they're currently setting 19 points. Another six points. That's you know almost no, the magic, all the magic number, aren't they? I think I, I, I think it's went massively under the radar of probably 
how this guy Raul, his team, he's, he's, his, his team ethos is starting to come through. You've seen it now. Now he's he's kind of got um, he's the, he's main players back. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against them in recent mm-hmm. in coming weeks. Sorry, I would not bet against them in any of those games. And and obviously we you know we kind of got to give a mention to to, to Manchester United, you know Champions League aside because obviously that was last night's, but that was a honking fixture to lose, wasn't it for them? Yeah, let's stick the boot in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of another way of saying that without sticking the boot in, but they—they—they <laughs> uh, they, they went off the rails, mate. They really have. Um, that was another thing we touched on last week. Where I was talking to Mason about it. Man United, you are under so much more media spotlight than any yeah. other club. Yeah, that's just the way it works with Man United. I mean, they get crucified. Unless that manager, it's basically it's everybody's still in the same mentality, journalists and fans, that any manager coming in should reach Fergie's level and do it quickly. That's what they expect, and it's not realistic. Of course it is, but that's what they're looking for. So when they get even top five, they, they still don't think it's good enough. But then, I mean, I would my first reaction would be look at your squad. And look at all the deadwood and players that shouldn't be anywhere near a top five team that are still playing actively. That would be my argument. Right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, they've all, how many chances have they had to have a proper clear up? I mean, we're talking a long time. Yeah. They say it every season, that's what they need. We always say it. They, they, they sign star names, most of them flop. But, but the- so 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 here's here's the thing though, right? So we talk about obviously the ability to kind of churn out some of the the dross that they have. Now the Harry Maguire was was basically a bar here away from joining West Ham, but because they wouldn't pay his severance package, which was about eight million pounds, they decided to keep him. Um, they couldn't let McTominay go to Newcastle. That was reported a forty-five million deal because they wanted to sell Fred, who was obviously on double the wages what McTominay was. So the balance in the books. But then they bring in Johnny Evans. That's a great like, like, do you get what I mean? Like, talk about dead wooden. You think you've just signed a thirty-six-year-old ex-player, um, yeah. probably on a pay-as-you-play kind of deal. Um, but but some of his some of his actual signings. I mean, I know we always kind of poke about a fun, but I seen an intro, I seen a stat yesterday, and it was on Anthony that he's had one assist and no goals in his last twenty-five games. They spent ninety million on him. Top quality. Um, That's madness, isn't it? Yeah, I just I'm actually sitting looking over the squad to remind myself, and there is so many that, and I don't say this with disrespect, right? And I'm not taking a piss. It's just if they expect to be where their mindset is, what they, they think they should be at, that squad is getting nowhere near it. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near it. Um, they're sitting in six, and looking at that squad and the way they're playing, I'd say six is pretty good. Um, well, considering you look at the last three games that they've won, they've all been either last-minute winners or that, that yeah. game against Everton. Um, no, he's another one. Yeah, the, 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 the one that I found absolutely extraordinary, I seen, I think it was just after the, the, the Bournemouth game, was that the last forward to score for Manchester United at Old Trafford was actually Jaden Sancho in May. That's obscene. That's obscene, isn't it? That means all the all the goals have come from either defenders or midfielders. They're breaking so many. I mean, I put three stats out last week that you, you probably wouldn't even believe them unless you Googled them mm-hmm. about Man United. And then last night, the um, they broke another record 
by becoming the the oh the 15 goals isn't it yeah to have conceded the most goals in the champions league for an english club uh, and that's man united that's mental yeah. and what did they do this thing is jamie what did they do right we're talking about sacking the manager i mean what i mean what's the point i know because the same manager is going to come in the same kind of problems they're not going to clear out all the dead wood that they have the wage bills astronomical um, they don't want to pay severance packages, which you just touched on. So there's, it's like they're stuck in a rut and they don't really want to take those extra steps. They don't want to just say, look, we need to take a hit here. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to take a hit. We make a bloody fortune anyway and every other revenue, so we can afford to take that hit. Let's just do it, clear it, and you know, reset it, res- hit the reset button. But it's like they're really, really, really against doing that. And then we're at the stage again where, sorry, where... Um, Ten Hag, that what did we get? He's lost the dressing room. Then you look over the last six managers. Right? I've got the headlines right in front of me. David Moyes is losing the dressing room, says a news report. Right? These are all for leading papers. That's a Guardian. Louis van Gaal reportedly lost the dressing room. Okay. Jose Mourinho has lost the dressing room. Dressing room revolt that led to Solskjaer sacking. Man United dressing room lose faith in Ralph Ranić. Eric Ten Hag has lost fifty percent of the dressing room. How many managers are they going to blame? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's, there's so many red flags in that, just in that. Those headlines alone that scream that there's something else wrong. But what that is, mate, and how they get past it, I have no idea. Is it the Glazers? I don't know. Neville seems to think so. I, you know, it's, uh, it's it's one of those conundrums that we'll never be able to answer because there's just so much involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reality of it is, is that it's very similar to Chelsea. They've got more losses left in them this season because of the way that they play. Um, so it's it's going to be when who snaps first? Is yeah. it the manager? Is it the fans? Because the fans are starting to turn now about. And, and what I'm starting to hear now is the fans are actually calling out his signings. So, for example, uh, Rasmus Hoyland still hasn't scored um, a Premier League goal. Anthony's obviously, I've just had a stat out about Anthony. Casemiro is still on the sickbed. They've just lost Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw again. Where's his replacements? Yeah. Regulon and Malassia, both injured, can't get on the pitch. It's it's so, just not um, looking good. Lindelof's out, Martinez yeah. is out, Shaw's out, as you just said. Ericsson's so out. Defensively, they're going to have to go back to Julian Evans. Um, yeah. And the players that we talk about that probably would say, um, a title contending player, I'm not saying they're bad players, like you just said, they were trying to sell McTominay and Maguire and that. Now they're relying on them mm-hmm. because it's the only players that are actually getting them something. So, that kind of tells you where they're at, mate. Anyway, that was fun. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> next up, um, I think uh, we're going to give a special mention to Fulham. Ran out 5-0 winners um, against West Ham. Um, I'm going to say ran out. They absolutely battered them, didn't they? Raul Jimenez back on the score sheets. Um, uh, Wobie's getting in there. William got up to goal. Um, I think, uh, was it, did Tam Kenny get a goal? Or was that the game before? I can't remember. Um, good question. I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah, the, it was. Uh, oh, it wasn't. It was Tosin, Vinicius, Wilson, Raul, and William got the goals. Um. So, uh, yeah, West Ham just did not turn up, did they? Beautiful strike. I, I don't think he scores goal. bad goals, does he? Yeah, it was a stunner. It was a really nice goal. But that's Fulham's last few games now, isn't it? They've, 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 I think they've scored something like... Um, 16 and 4. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is absolutely mental, isn't it? 
It's brilliant, mate. How good is it to see Jimmy back in the goals? Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, considering we were obviously giving them shit because we were concerned at where they were going to get the goals from. And then mm-hmm. they score, go and score 16 goals in, in the last four games. Um, it's probably come at a really good time for them. They've jumped up to 10th in the league now, skipping the likes of Brentford, Chelsea, Wolves, Bournemouth. Um, and they're just two points behind Brighton. That's, sorry, um, two points behind, uh, three points behind West Ham they are now. I think when they're, you know, they're only teams, mate, when the big players turn up, I think they're a threat to anybody in that league yeah. on their day. So you've got like Jimmy, you can add him in now if he's getting in the goals, but you've got Willian, Pereira, uh, Polina. These guys, if they get going in the middle of the park, they, they can cause a lot of trouble. Don't get me wrong, I was still shocked at that result because West Ham, I think it was only the week prior, they had a good result, didn't they? Um, um, yeah, they, um, they beat... I think they beat Tottenham, didn't they? Two one. Yeah, yeah, they beat Tottenham. So I mean, I know uh, they're actually they've been in a good run of form last time, but barring that game, that was um, I think one uh, maybe five wins and six barring that game before they went into it. So did not see that one coming at all. I know Fulham won five 0 the week before, but I thought West Ham would have enough. But Fulham were just clinical, and West Ham offered nothing. Um, and uh, another team that got um, a much-needed win on the board was Sheffield United um, under Chris Wilder. After a few disappointing results, um, Chris Wilder gets his first win um, and um, probably did pretty well with it as well. They beat Brentford. Um, I think it's fair to say with possibly the goal of the weekend uh, from McAtee. Um, it was an absolute cracking goal, wasn't it? Uh, it was his first goal as well, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it was a stunning strike, mate. Really, really nice goal. Uh, the new manager buzz, I suppose. The, well, I think game. after the disappointment that they had against the Liverpool, didn't they? They, they, they? You know, they lost to Liverpool 2-0 um, under, you know, shall we say, some exceptional circumstances, but uh, they felt they should have got something from the game. So they really needed something from this game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I said it's a massive three points, huge three points. Uh, Brentford, though, probably feel like they've dropped points. I mean, I know they did, but I think yeah. it's a game they would have expected to get something from. Um, I thought they would as well. Uh, I think, I still think they're going to absolutely toil me. Um, I think you'll get a wee buzz for Wilder being in, but I just think it's the personnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, but I mean, it was a good result. They've done well. I thought the boy uh, on Yeka, I thought he was lucky to stay in the park. He only got a yellow. I thought that was. I read yeah, that one. I, I thought that was really go good. For that. Yeah, I didn't like that one. I had a really naughty. Um, so I was surprised at the yellow. But they done well, mate. Like you say, it was a cracking goal to win it. So I don't know. It's another team where fixtures-wise, I don't know what they're looking at. Because um, uh, kind fixtures would be... Well, they're, I, think, I think they're away to Chelsea this weekend, and then they're away That's to Villa. <laughs> and then they're away to Villa, and then they've got Luton at home. And then away to Man City, all before December, January first. Yeah, so, see, that's a killer because yeah. that that could flatten any kind of uh, buzz you do have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, he can only play the hand he's dealt. I don't know what they'll give him in January. I'm assuming they'll get something, but I can't see it being a fortune. Yeah. Um, and just a word on Brentford. So, you know, this is Brentford now with without Embueno, and from what we're hearing, Embueno is going to be missing for a good two or three months. That's a bit of a killer for them because everything good, in my opinion, goes through Embueno in that team. Um, he's going to be a big miss for them. Yeah, he's huge for them, and I think with uh, when they lost Tony, 
that there was a concern, you know, where the goal's coming from, and and Wemo stepped up really well, uh, and he's, he's he's had a cracking start to the season. So then to go and lose him as well, I think that's a major kick in the teeth for them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've been relying on Wissa, who's a wee bit hit and miss, a bit hot and cold. So I think they're going to have a tough time. Mate. I think they're one of the teams that have a few big players, and when you lose their players, I think they're going to struggle. Yeah, and obviously there's no, there's no guarantee that obviously Tony comes back to them in January whether whether they yeah. eat or not. So, um, well, he's been well, saying, isn't he? He's kind yeah. of he's been talking as he's looking elsewhere. I think well, that, that's another. How what kind of level of shit house are he is that? Well, when I think. Well, I think the difference is that he, so his contract was due up the, this season. Um, so we agreed to a new contract as long as there was a contract release clause in it. So I think mm-hmm. they, felt they were fully expecting him to, lo- to, to leave. However, they've, they're going to secure a good price for him. Because I think the whole time he was suspended, he was still going to rake in something like £6 million in wages or something from them. So That's I think, exactly my point. I mean, I'm not saying Luke stay there forever. Um, oh, no. I just think, if I'm a Brentford fan... I would be absolutely fizzing with that. I don't think they sell him. I don't think they sell him. I, I, unless some, unless Chelsea come in the door with 115 million, I honestly uh, don't. <laughs> I honestly don't, don't think he goes because because I don't I don't I don't see Arsenal dropping another 100 million in, in the January window, which is where he was tipped to go to. Um, be a great signer. I think it would be a great. I think it'd be a great signing for a lot of teams. To be fair, yeah. Um, I think Chelsea back, could do with him, but I think he goes back yeah. to Bradford and does till the end of the season for them. Give them Jackson. <laughs> which, which, Jackson. Which Jackson have you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Brentford are going to find it sticky for the next couple of weeks. They're going to have a challenge, um, and obviously we can't we can't continue without covering the the Luton City game. Um, Luton took the lead against Manchester City, um, and City, um, which were missing an Alfie Haaland. Um, the, the talk is going to be missing for a couple of weeks, but whether we believe Pep or not is another thing. Um, but um, the City didn't have it all their own way, did they? Um, Luton, Luton got torn into them, didn't they, in the first half? Yeah, I mean, I thought they were excellent. Um, I mean, City still looked dangerous. Uh, yeah. They came forward quite a few times. Uh, and they came close if it wasn't for um, decent goalkeeping. Sorry, um, I can't remember the chances. I think Rodri had one for outside the box. I think it was Foden as well. Foden had one after the first couple of minutes, didn't they? Yeah. So I mean, they always looked they always looked dangerous. Say. That threat is always there. But no, I thought Luton done really well. They became such a tight unit. Um, it seems to just. I don't know if it's them just settling into the pace of the league or if he's changed something, but they look so much more compact and so much much more well organised. Um, and to be honest, they could have easily took something for that. Could have, you know, they could have easily nipped something. I'm starting to feel sorry for them because, like, they got so close to uh, turning Arsenal over a week, you know, two rounds ago. They got so close to to, to pulling off points against City. If you look at the bottom three teams. Um, between you know Luton, Burnley, and Sheffield United, Luton have probably been the unlucky ones, losing the last-minute goals. Burnley mm-hmm. are struggling to get into games. Sheffield United are struggling to 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 play a glove on teams. Luton have actually been scoring. They scored three against Arsenal. They scored against City, so they've got goals in them. Yeah. Um, it was well, the, uh, Kaminsky. Sorry, that name escaped me when I was talking. He he had a great. Yeah, um, he had a really, really good game. He was, he was a big reason that they, that they still won 0 till later on. 
But, what do you um, make no, of the, what, what do you make of the Jacob Brown challenge that went uncarded? There was a lot of talk about that, and and you know some of the media's about whether Jacob Brown should have received a red card. Um, the, I'm trying the, to remember, to be honest. It, I think he he goes for a challenge and and misses the ball and ends up studying the player, but because the ref didn't see it and VAR didn't deem it too high of a challenge, he didn't mm. even get a yellow card. Um, so I know there was yeah. a lot of contentious about, you know. Oh, that, I mean, I've got sit in my head. And I need to see it, but um, I, I think when we got to a point in the game, probably maybe the last quarter. City took over and they looked, you know, it got once it got to that stage, I thought, you know, there's a good chance they're going to go on and win this game. But for up to that point, maybe 70, 75 minutes, Luton, Luton were excellent. Mm-hmm. I think they just ran out of legs at the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about teams that needed much points, um, Tottenham uh, managed to stop the rot of the, you know, the five game win, uh, rot, winless run. Um, they, they, Absolutely battered Newcastle at the weekend. Um, what I would call a very leggy Newcastle. Um, they ran out uh, convincing winners, um, and Son put in one of his uh, one of his one of his good shifts. They won four one, um, but two goals went to Richardson, um, who's starting to get some game time back after his uh, pelvic injury. Um, what was more concerning was it was it was it Tottenham getting back to the way that they were, or were Newcastle that poor, that leggy? Excuse me. No, I, I think it was Newcastle. Mate. They looked exhausted. Uh, even tracking back, they, they they couldn't do it. They couldn't keep up. Uh, I was watching them try to get back. You had uh, Joel Linton and and Bruno. I mean, Bruno's a good player, but he's not the fastest anyway. He runs like mm-hmm. he's torn a caravan. Um, but they were all struggling. They were struggling. Once it went to maybe two, I think they knew their cell. It was almost like they knew the, they just couldn't do it. But I mean, it's under. It's going to happen, mate, because they are. They've had. They've been so unlucky with injuries. They've been absolutely crucified with injuries, and they just don't have the cover, or at least they don't have a quality cover. So how doesn't want to use what he has there? It's mostly kids, or I mean, the last two weeks they've been using him, um, Kraft, who I think that was his first game, and God knows how long it was over a mm-hmm. year or something. He's never he's never kicked the ball and he was thrown straight in. So I don't think he has much faith in what's there. So he's relying on those same players game after game in Europe to the league. And I think they're toiling with it. Um, let's back to what we were saying. Villa are managing because I think they have much better depth and they're getting a wee bit more fortunate with injuries. Um, and as a result, Newcastle have lost the last two now. They lost 3-0 at Everton and then they lost 4-1 at Tottenham. There was a big defeat. Um, but in their next few games, um, so they are, they're at home to Fulham um, and they're away to Luton and then they're at home to New- uh, Nottingham Forest. And then on the 30th, they are away to Liverpool. So you would expect them to get a couple of wins within that, within that run. Um, but... Yeah, as you said, it's about managing the team, and they need people back quick. I think they've lost Trippier for the next game as well, haven't they? Um, due to a totting up event of booking, of, uh, booking, so probably shredding the team a little bit thinner as well. Um, honourable mentions for um, draws with uh, Brighton um, and Burnley. They they ran out one one result, um, and then there was also um, who was the other one? It was the Double checking Wolves and Nottingham Forest. So Steve Cooper's obviously needed um, needed some kind of result after um, getting spanked against Fulham um, last week. 
it seems like he's 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 dodging game on game now, isn't he? Um, there's talk about him potentially getting sacked. Um, whether or not there's talk in the media saying he's going to get a couple more games. Uh, he's got to stop the rots. He gets a draw at the weekend, and then the first thing that's said is he's got another stay of execution. You just think writing's on the wall a little bit, isn't it? With Steve Cooper, you just—it's inevitable. It's ultimately going to come down. We've heard this before with Cooper, though. Yeah. Same in the championship too. He got a new contract um, last year, didn't he? When when, yeah, when they were saying it, everybody was saying he would be going. It was the same kind of chat, and then signed another contract. Um, the, I mean, listen, talking solely about the result of the weekend. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good point for them. I don't know if I wrote that stat down. I seen one earlier for that game. Uh, yeah, it was um, first time. Sorry, the last time Nottingham Forest beat Wolves in the top flight was in 1983. So it's not like they've got a cracking record. So to go there and get a point, I thought I, I thought that was a good result for them. Um, but I mean, the record is not great, mate. And that's now what played sixteen. They've only won three, drawn five, and lost eight. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how patient they'll be with him. Uh, I don't know if the fans are on his back or what the deal is. I know that it's, uh, the, it's fans a were his, the fans were singing his name after the the drubbing at Fulham, weren't they? It's uh, a cracking place, mate. You know, when they have their home games and that, the place is electric. I'll give them that, uh, and they seem to have a lot of time for him but end of the day it's a result business mate as we know so mm-hmm. I don't know I suppose it depends on what they're expecting what you know what their targets are for him and for Forrest in terms of the league do they expect to mean a dogfight are they hoping to get mid-table I mean they spent a lot of money the, I, think the, I think the fact they've lost a one year for a big period of time is going to be it's going to be always affecting them because he was the talisman for them you know at the end of last year going into this year he was the talisman and Johnson as well mm-hmm Johnson was a big loss for them. Um, I know he's a bit part of Spurs, but he was huge for Forrest. Um, mm-hmm. it was two, and as you say, I won you out. I mean, it is two big losses, but that's a bad run there on me. That's um, what four losses in a draw since the last one. Uh, and it's the the thing is, they're losing to teams, ones that you would say that they should those be. are the ones that have a chance for Yeah, I mean, try and pick up a point up here and there, especially like Everton. Uh, Fulham, I know Fulham battered them, but still you would have thought maybe get something out of that. Uh, the the drew at Luton, the the drew at Palace, the drew at Brentford. Those are all games where the, the, you know they should be looking to take something, uh, try and get more points on the board. Sorry, so I, I don't know, mate. I don't know if he's if he is on a um, on the wooden plank or not. I, I really don't know how a quick fire will be with the trigger. Cool. So that kind of wraps up the games from last week. We've got obviously this week, this weekend's games. Um, any any games stand out for you? Ones to look out for, John? I can't do for ten seconds while you just put me on the spot and I go and find it. <laughs> so you've got so the you've got the Friday night game. Um, eight o'clock. You've got Nottingham Forest at home to Spurs. The big fixture again for Steve. Cooper. We just I've said. Got I've got one. I've got one. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Let's have a look. Hey. Arsenal Brighton, that could be a decent game. Um, Brighton kind of been a bit hit and miss recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you would expect Arsenal to bounce back, but definitely goals. Uh, Liverpool Man United is obviously going to be the draw, mate. But I mean, I'll be honest with you, especially at home, Liverpool fans, like I said, you must be licking your lips with that fixture. 
Oh, is that this weekend? Oh, sorry, I didn't. I didn't. You know, no, no, mate. I'll, I'll no. just keep you in the loop. <laughs> it's it's one of them ones, right? Because you look at last year, and last year nobody expected a seven nil win. No, I'm not looking at going. Oh, that's going to be seven nil again. But they're playing hard, largely a lot worse than with this time last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a fucking nil nil. Honestly, mm. just the Man United were doing okay at that one last year. They were actually yeah. that's when he had them playing a bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, chances of that happening again have to be slipping yeah. on. But it took us about three months to scrape you through the ceiling after that result. Pretty uh, much. But I, I, yeah, I mean, really, if they go there and they do get battered, then that's when I think there's going to be huge yeah. question marks over Ten Hag. Even yeah. though I don't think he's the main issue, but I think that's that's going to be huge. It just becomes unsustainable, doesn't it? Yeah, if they go there, and especially if they lose and lose badly, I think uh, that that could be the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the Villa uh, away to Brentford. Villa's away form has not been as good as the home form, so I wouldn't again. I wouldn't be surprised if Brentford actually pulled off a draw in that game, um, just because everybody's expecting Villa to kind of push on now. But mm. it's going to I be the we'll... first game after a European fixture. So they got the yeah. tomorrow night, haven't they? And then they're away. It's not really phased them, though, so far anyway. But yeah, you're right, they're away record is nothing compared to the home one. But I mean, like you said, Brentford, Brentford without Mbwemo, I think, and considering the run they're on, mm-hmm. um, you have to fancy Villa. Yeah. I think Everton might do well at Burnley as well. That's the half five kickoff on Saturday night. Um Burnley are obviously desperate for points, but Everton, are, you know, they've got that team ethos about them, which we've already talked about. So you would expect them to probably do do something good there. <coughs> um, well, that's great, Johnny. I mean, look, the, the other guys on team, we actually finished this on time. Uh, we managed to get through the fixtures. Apparently, me and you were the bad eggs of the brunch. I don't believe it. I think it's the other two. I think it's Mason, Colin and Graham. Oh, <laughs> oh. Um, so uh, with that, um, it's been absolutely banging to have you back on mate it's always good just to catch up and dive you know divulge into the fixtures that we've seen and, and obviously the standout things that we talked about what was what was your what was your what was your standout moment from last weekend um for me i would say i would say um McAtee's goal for sheffield united i thought that was an absolute pillar yeah i think that's fair mate and it's such a big result for them as well especially the wilder being back at the range um yeah, that was a huge one for them. It was a huge one. And probably a wee honourable mention to, to Bournemouth because that was a great result. And it wasn't just a case that they won. They actually played them off the park at the, the theatre of the tears. Am I right? It should have been four, shouldn't it? And the, but the last one got chopped yeah, off. Yeah, that, that For that dodgy handball decision that, that we that talked about. <laughs> that was very shady, yeah. It should have been four. We need to start. We need to, we need to sit and chat, maybe do it the next one, but go over the injuries in the Premier League and the increase in the cause. Um, I've seen, I seen an article on it. We'll, we'll talk about it next time. It'll be pretty interesting. But teams are getting absolutely hammered with injuries, as we're seeing. Yeah. Uh, and the increase is, there's like a graph showing you just how bad the increase is. And it's it's quite scary, the difference. Yeah, no, it's always good, good points to cover. Well, Johnny, thanks very much for coming back on. Always a pleasure, mate. Enjoyed it. Thank you good man thank you very much until next time guys if you have any questions or if you want us to actually call out any specific agendas then just leave us some comments on the youtube channel um, and what we'll be able to do is bring them into the next meeting until then we'll catch you next time thanks very much bye